Uh, I want to read out of Philippians chapter 3. The Lord gave me this sermon probably a month and a half ago, and I've been kind of just thinking about it and meditating on it. And then, and this morning early, he woke me up and cleared up another point that, that I'd never thought about, but he's really wanting us to hear this today. But as you're turning to Philippians 3, uh, 12 through 21, um, our January reading, uh, we agreed to, and we presented last week, we're going to try to read the Bible together as a church in 2017, and there's Bibles out in the foyer that you can sign up for and, and grab your own Bible. Uh, we're trying to use the same thing. We're using one that's in chronological order and, and the same translation that way that we can work together as, an organ, or as a body and refer back to them during the week. For example, uh, lo and behold, I'm reading ahead so that I'm ahead of the game a little bit. And the third point the Lord gave me today is in our reading in Genesis 1.28 today. And so I'm going to refer back to that. But that's what I'm hoping to do, that, that as we're going through the word together, that God will minister to the whole Bible or the whole body. And, and that's an accomplishment I'd like to see us do in 2017. Again, you can pick your Bible out there in the foyer and grab one if you can't afford it. Uh, a lot of families last week paid for several extras so that somebody couldn't afford one. They're out there. But if you can afford to pay 11 or $12, whatever they are, that'd be great. Uh, you're already moving. Uh, I only ordered two cases or three cases because I, I didn't think that we'd even take all of them. We've already killed the three cases and got two more. And so I'm very excited about the body and, and us coming together. So anyway, Philippians 12, uh, 3, 12 through 21. I do not mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed in me. That's point number one today, and I'll go over these at the end, but that'll be point number one. Verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, because, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. That is point two today. Verse 15, let us all who are spiritual or spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some uh, point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. And that's point three. Dear friends, they're in verse 17 now. Dear friends and, and brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross, enemies of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and that's point four today. And we eagerly wait for him to return to us as a Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name today. And Lord, we thank you again for this day, the way you bless us. Father, for the awesome things that happened in 17. But Father, help us to press forward into 18 and accomplish all that you have and much, much more than we can comprehend. In Jesus' name, amen. Pull that last video up again. That's still burning on me today, or that last uh, slide there. Uh, I was walking out of the house the other day and I decided to look up and see, you know, what's the most top 10 uh, um, uh, 
New Year's resolutions. And I was heading that way at one time. I'm not now. But this calendar popped up and it really intrigued me. And I put it on the slideshow and forgot about it. And the Lord reminded me of it this morning. But it says, desire is the starting point of all achievement, not a hope, not a wish, but a keep, but to keep pulsating desire, which transcends everything. And all I got out of that is no hope. You know, that, that to me is our world right there that, that don't focus on the hope and don't focus on wishes, just focus on you taking care of things. And I think that's what's wrong with our world today is that, that we get so caught up in ourselves, we get caught up in our personal being that our hope is not in Jesus Christ and, and we just don't pursue him. And the first point that I think Paul's coming out of the gate saying here, and we'll go ahead and pull it up today, is, is I'm going to call it press to possess. That's the first point I believe the Lord's telling us to do today, is we need to press to possess the things of God. And verse 12 says, but I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed in me. And, and the Lord woke me with this, so actually hit me last night with that word possessed. Because when I hear possessed, I think somebody's demon possessed. And, and, and that just, I'm like, God, why you hit me with this? And I actually fell asleep thinking about it, dreamed about it, and, and woke up this morning and looked it up. And that's exactly when you look this up, it'll refer to as an example, demon possessed. If you're possessed, uh, some refer to that as demon-possessed. And we all say that. But what God was saying to Paul and what Paul is saying to us today is that you're possessed by Christ if you're a believer. And we need to look at that and we need to remember that, that, that when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I am possessed by Jesus and that's a good thing. That same power, yeah, give the Lord praise. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. It possesses us. And so Paul was saying that, that I'm trying to press into, I'm trying to get to that point that, 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 that I'm, I know I'm possessed by Christ, but I'm going to possess him. That's what Paul was saying there. He's saying, I'm going to press to possess him. In other words, he's done, Christ's done all he's going to do. We talk about that all the time. But Paul's saying, I'm going to press in and possess him. Do we have that attitude today that we love our Jesus Christ so much that I want to know everything about him, that I'm going to press into him, that I'm going to do everything I can to get closer to him? I want him to possess me. I want to possess him. That's what Paul was saying in these words today. You see, possessed means working toward possessed so when we're, Paul's saying, I want God Christ to possess me, he's working for that. He's moving out in that. Perfection is a condition, state, or quality of being free from all flaws. Paul's saying, I want all of him. I bought Joshua a study Bible this week, and Charles Spurgeon has made a study Bible, or he and he's passed, but they've taken his writings and made a study Bible, and it's out of this world. And I looked up to see what it said in the study Bible, but he said this about this passage of scripture and what Paul was saying there. Paul had not yet reached his own ideal of what a Christian might be. He had not obtained from Christ all that he expected to attain. He was not sitting down to rest and be thankful, but he was still hurrying on, reaching after something that was not yet beyond him. He could not say, soul, take your ease. You have much good laid up for many years. But he still felt his own spiritual poverty and he cried out, I'm not there yet. 
And that's what I want to challenge Oakton to be about in 2018. That video showed a little bit of what we're doing and how God is, is in our lives and how God is moving in our lives. But we can't sit still. We can't sit back. We need to press in and possess him. Be possessed by him, but be possessed in him as well. And that should be our goal. The background that you see up there is the New England Patriots. They've won many Super Bowls. And, and, and I think it's because of the players too, but, but Coach Belichick. Coach Belichick, he presses in. He's exerting continuous force. If you look up that word press, it means to move or cause to move into a position of contact with, with something by exerting continuous physical power. So I believe that, that Coach Belichick is pressing in. He's exerting continuous force. He never lets up. When it's fourth down and five on the 20-yard line, and he's going for that touchdown. He's, he's going for the goal. He's, he's, he's pressing in. He's never letting up. It always hacks me off. I'll never forget one game that, that it was fourth and five, and that's what I'm referring to. He's 20 points ahead in the game. He's got everything wrapped up, and he's going for it. And I'm like, come on. You're already blowing this game out, and you're going for a first down. And I was aggravated with him, but he was pressing to possess the, the game. He was pressing in, and that's what Christ, Paul was asking us to do, that we're possessed by Christ, but, but we need to press in and possess him and get rid of the flaws, the junks, and not settle down and say, oh, we had a good year. We're going to go and have a better year. We want all of him. But Coach Belichick, man, he, he, he brings it. Other teams lose because they stop pressing in. When they have the lead, they begin to press in for a field goal instead of pressing in for a touchdown. I went to the Kansas City game a couple of weeks ago and was actually rooting for them that day. And, and, and we get in there and I lean over to Dean or Karen, I don't remember which one, but Kansas City had a lead and you could, it was obvious they were playing to maintain the game and playing for a field goal. And I thought, what are you doing? You got a little bit of lead. Now you're playing for a field goal. You're playing for maintaining where you're at. That's the difference between the winning teams and, to me, the losing teams. Belichick wins because he presses in to win. And I'll never forget an interview that I heard from him. It helped me understand him because, to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of him. But I heard him interviewed one day, and he made a comment. He said that as long as there's time on the clock, we can lose the game. That's why he presses in. While there's time on the clock, we can still do something. And I've never forgot that. And while there's time on the clock with us, are we in maintain mode? Or are we in pressing in mode, possessing the things of Christ? Are we seeking after him? Because, guys, it's a dangerous place to be in. We're not, we're not trying to possess Christ like we should. Uh, we all know the Super Bowl last year is a good example of that. The Atlanta Falcons were up, what, 20 points? 26 points? What'd they do? They started playing to maintain the game, started playing to make the field go instead of making the touchdown. They, they blew the lead, lead. Belichick didn't quit 20 points down. He kept pressing in, kept pressing in. Guess what? He won the Super Bowl. Oakton, our goal in 2018 is to press in exert continuous force, and to press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed. Christ gave us his all. 
We press in and give him our all. We want to possess him. Point two, forgetting the past, the behind, and looking forward to what lies ahead. Verse 13. I'm going to title this point, whatever. You see, it's a a big, big thing nowadays to say, whatever. Right, Mother Mary? My mother-in-law, Mary, she's so tired of me saying whatever. We play a game with the family, and I think I've won two games out of 30. But when the game's over, I say, whatever, let's play another one. And she's so sick of me. I told her today one of my points was going to be whatever, and she goes, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, but whatever means we're going to forget what's behind us. And that's what I want that point to mean today, that, that we need to start saying whatever, forgetting what's behind us, and looking forward to what's ahead of us. You know, it was really hard for me to brag on the New England Patriots because in the past, just be honest, guys, the Vikings have been in the Super Bowl four times and have never won it. So what I do today is I say, whatever, that's the past. This year, they're going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to make a difference this year. We're going to go all the way. Where's my amens at? Whatever. Somebody's listening. (laughs) You guys are bad. Now you made me lose all my train of thought. Whatever. I'm never going to hear the end of it. Mary, if I hear you saying that, I'm going to be in trouble. But whatever is is we're just saying it's a past. We're going to go in a new direction. Whatever means... Where we're going, we're going to forget the past. We're going to press in. We're going to exert the continued force. We're going to move forward. You know, the Lord really dealt with me on this because I don't know what was going on in Paul's life when he was writing this, but but he was saying, press in. Forget about the past efforts and mistakes. And I believe the Lord showed me that, that, that Satan was harassing Paul about his past failures. And if you think about that, Paul was Saul before, and he had murdered Christians. He had tried to destroy the church before he got saved. And I imagine the devil was tormenting him with that. But the other side of me, being a pastor, you know, it's like after the first service, I preached this wonderful service, and, and only two or three went to the altar, and the devil immediately hits me and said, if you would have prayed more, if you would have studied your wood more, if you would have done this, if you would have done that, things would have happened more. He torments it. And I thought even then that, that, that maybe Paul, the devil was hitting him. Well, maybe if you had went over to this place or maybe if you had handled this different. But I don't know, but Paul may have been tormented or not. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me that, that many people in this room, Satan is harassing you. Many in this room are being harassed by your past failures, your memories, and it torments you day and night. And an example of that, it's kind of funny example, but, but I coached the fifth and sixth grade boys in Lamar and I coached the third and fourth in Liberal. And we had great records in Lamar. The only game I lost, I can remember, was I lined these kids up and we did something different. And I had them march in to the game together. And I don't know if it was pride or whatever, but we changed things up and messed the kids up. And we got beat by a team we should have destroyed. To this day, I'm tormented by that and I dream about it. It's the stupidest thing, but I'll still dream about that loss today. The only game we lost in fifth and sixth years. And I know that's an example, but I believe there's people in this room who are tormented because maybe you weren't a good parent 
Or you're tormented, maybe you should have handled this different. You maybe should have done finances different. You may have should have been a different father or, or, or I should have done this at the job. I don't want to sit there and pick them all out. But I believe Satan is tormenting us. And we need to say when he's doing that, whatever, it's under the blood. You see, when we make a mistake, yes, give the Lord praise. Because when we make a mistake, we repent of it and it's under the blood. So, you know, I may not have been the best dad in the world. I say, whatever, Satan, it's under the blood now, and I move on. We need to start putting things under the blood, and I think that's what Paul was doing. You know, maybe I'm not the best pastor in the world. Maybe I do make mistakes, but whatever, I'm not going to wear that, Satan. I'm not going to wear it. Thank you, Grandma and Mama. Got my mother-in-law behind me. You do that, you've done something good. Whatever. No, I didn't hear it then. But it's Satan harassing us today. Rather than focusing on, on those things, the things of the past that no longer have relevance in your life, Paul was telling the believer to forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. If you look up the Greek word for forget, it's a big long word I can't even pronounce, but it means to stop thinking. Stop thinking about it. Put it out of your mind, put it behind you, wipe it out, erase it from your memory, get it out of your system, quit paying attention to it, get your eyes off it, be oblivious to it, and forget about it. That's the Greek interpretation for that word, okay? Behind or past, your Bible may say uh, um, past. Mine today said past, but yours may say behind. But that Greek word means this, something that no longer has relevance in your life, it's old, it's inadequate, it's outdated, and no longer applicable. It is behind you, and you are never to turn around and look at the fo- and focus on it again. In other words, leave it behind and never revisit it. Wow. Whatever. Whatever. Get it behind you. Move on. But what really intrigued me in this, I got to looking around, and the other time that Jesus used this word, this Greek word that we described today, behind or past, was in Matthew 16, 23. This is why the Bible's so exciting. But Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. There's that word. And what's he say? Get thee behind me, Satan. What I think the Lord is saying to me today and saying to us today, when we handle things right and we've done the best that we can and we put it at the Lord's feet, Satan's battering us with it. Say, get thee behind me. Whatever, get thee behind me. Oh, this thought comes to mind. Whatever, get thee behind me. In the name of Jesus. Go back to that first point. Jesus Christ possessed me, Satan. You don't get thee behind me. You see where we're heading here today? Take authority over it. That led us into this scriptures that, that I was reading in our, in our daily reading that you'll read tomorrow, right? We're all going to read tomorrow. I didn't hear any whatevers, so we're all reading tomorrow. But it'll say in Genesis 1.28, And God blessed them, meaning Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Dominion means sovereignty or control over something. God gave us dominion over this earth. Everything going on here over all the creatures, the snakes, the Satans, the sin, 
the sickness we have dominion over. Now, a lot of you scholars are saying, well, pastor, we lost that when Adam and Eve sinned. But when we believed, Christ possessed us again, and we have dominion over these things again. Why it's so important to become a believer. If you're not a believer today, you don't have power and authority. You're a believer today, you have dominion, power and authority over things because of the blood. Amen? It's time to forget those things in the past. Take dominion over them and press to possess. And again, I want to go through this because I think it's very important. You know, a lot of times I don't want you to use an excuse to keep from dealing with something in your life. But if something's tormenting you, most likely it's from Satan and most likely it's yourself. But sometimes the Holy Spirit's convicting you that something you need to repent of, something that you need to forgive somebody else of, you know, there's some steps here, something that, that we need to do before we take authority over it. And so we all know our own hearts. But if you've repented and you've forgiven people, then take authority, dominion over your situation. For God didn't give us a spirit of what? But of power, love, and, and self-control. God has, again, put that as in us. Point number three, agree to disagree. Verse 15 says, let all who are spiritual, spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the, to the progress we have already made. And that's something I want us to get a hold of today. We must hold on to the progress that we've already made. We don't let disagreements come against the goals and the visions of what God called us to come to do here today. But guys, we're not going to agree 100% on anything. You know, we might agree that Christ is Son of God and the spiritual things, but when it comes to church things, we're not going to agree 100%. I talked to Joel. Joel, not everybody likes your praise team. Not everybody likes the praise team. You know, it's okay. You know, there's not going to be 100% on that. That's a, a truth. Well, not everybody likes me either. You know, that's a truth. It's not going to be 100% sometimes. You know, not everybody likes children's church. Not everybody likes youth. Not everybody likes the nativity. You know, we don't even agree on the carpet sometimes. You know, there's going to be these disagreements in the body. You know, you may think I need to wear a suit up here. You know, you may think I need to dress like I did today. Well, I'm just doing this to appease my kids. That's what they got me for Christmas, and I'm sweating like a dog. But, but we, we, we don't agree on everything, okay? What was that? Did I hear whatever from my daughter? But we must, I want you to hear this, we must hold on to the progress we have already made. We don't let any disagreement stop the progress of what's going on in this body. And an example I think that we all can relate to is when we allow this to happen uh, in, in a serious way, it'll destroy. Now, if you look at the slideshow up here, you're going to see a Viking in the background. That's my boys. I know there's a lot of Chief fans in here. You notice I made you a little smaller. Well, that little bitty one up there was for Remington Lehman that has the Buffalo Bills, you know. And, and, and we're all kind of going at each other all the time about these. And then Remington didn't show up today to give him a hard time. He never misses church. I think somebody told him. But, but anyway, you know, we kid around and we just have fun with that. But we never allow it to separate and come between our relationship. And, and I know that's something we can kid about. But, but if you look at the politics on the news and, and, and you watch the politics out there, 
the Democrats and Republicans have lost all sight of holding on to godly progress. In other words, the, the, the vision of the United States, they can't get along on anything. You know, one party votes one way. If you say black, they're going to say white. If they say green, they're going to say red. We, we can't allow ourselves as a nation and a body to get to that point. We got to come against that and agree to disagree for the, for the good of the nation. But the same deal is for the good of Oakton. We stand in and hang in there and we get along and we work things out and we stay together. We pray together. It's important here. But Paul goes on to even share in verse 15, three, the signs of discord. And I challenge you as, as the people of God today that when you're out in the, in the, in the trenches and you're out in the, the work in the fields, if you will, with the body of Christ here at Oakton, if you see these things, a lot of times we just zip it and don't say anything. But, but I challenge you, if you see these things, that you pray for these people, that you, you stand in the gap, that you agree, that you will hold on to the godly progress that Oakton is pursued and is doing. But these three things are, is the first thing he said, their God is their appetite. When we see people focused on themselves and not the whole, we need to be cautious about that. And if we're in that rut, if I'm in that rut, then we need to pray through that rut. If you think I'm in that rut, pray for me. If you see others in that rut, pray for them. But, but stay in there and see that God is, is magnified. The second thing they do is they brag about shameful things. And, and be honest with you guys, I see this across the, the Christian body all the time. We like to brag about things we do that really aren't right. And we like to lift up things that aren't Christ-like. But we don't brag on hurts and pains that are in the body. We lift each other up. We love each other. We have no bad motives. I'll never forget. I don't even remember, Gary, how it laid out now, but somebody was trying to spin you and me up. It's been a couple years ago. And I said, you can say anything you want to me about what Gary Dumb said, and I won't believe a word of it because he loves me and I know his heart. And I wouldn't entertain it. The third thing he said to watch out for, they think only about this life here on earth. And that's something we all need to focus on is the fourth point we'll get to in a minute is we're citizens of heaven. And when we get focused and self-centered on this world, that's a, that's a bad place to be. This world should never out, outrank the things of God. And, and so those three things that we can look at, but, but you say, well, pastor, you know, how are those things affecting the body? Them are just piddly things. But guys, when there's discord in a marriage at home, it's going to cause family problems at church too. People to choose sides. And so are we standing in the gap for each other, hanging in there with each other? Holding on to the godly progress. Holding on to the godly progress. I can remember dad, and again, I shared this with you a hundred times, but I'm going to add to it today for something he said last week. You need to sweat it, dad. I'm going to quote you in a minute. But if you remember, we switched from the hymns to the, the style of service we do now. And, and I was bragging on him how he had the, the insight and the vision to do that at a Methodist deal. 
and how he loved the service we have and all that stuff. And he uh, came to me later and said, Ken, it's not that I don't love the service now, but if I had a choice, we'd be doing hymns. And we wouldn't have changed. But for the progress of the church and the growth of the church, we saw the need and we made the decision. I see Gary shaking his head over there because Gary is probably in that decision-making. And Oakton that day said, we never will have a traditional service or this other service. We're not even going to put titles on it. We just have worship service because we're one body. And, and last week I get home and mom never misses church and she missed last Sunday. You need to repent. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, that's what you should have said if you was listening. Mary, can you do it for me? No. But, but dad was so blessed by the service last week that he went home and bragged mom, to mom about it. And his words were, that was the best worship service I've been in. And if we had a visitor... It was impressive to him. And, and he was blessed. He didn't let his opinion, his idea, you know, a lot of times we'll give in to something and just pout or we'll give in to something. He, he, he gave in and became a part. And now it blesses him. And, and that, to me, is spiritual maturity. Paul said it in verse 13, our, the key to spiritual uh, uh, progress is maturity. He goes on to say in verse 15, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to us. God will give you the answers. We just need to press possess. So when we got troubles and discord going on in our life, and to be honest with you, sometimes you guys come to me, and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you guys except seek Jesus and pray to him, and he will give you the answer. Well, that's the same in everything, that when we're struggling with a situation, we just go to Jesus and he will give us the answer. He will give us the way out. He will help us press in and maintain and, and, and continue on in the things of God. So, Oakton, hold on to the godly progress. God will get us through disagreements. And you can go read about Matthew 18, 15 through 17 if you want to go into that more. But God is with us. And I'm going to close out today with the last point. This is not our home. And, and Paul says in verse 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And in that video, you know, we showed that was a glimpse of eternity. Man, and it was so neat. I had a part of almost all those pictures and it felt so awesome. But it was God's movement in, in, in the Christian church and in, in our church. So the key to remember today is we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Our purpose, our focus, the things that we press into are not worldly things. We press into that Jesus is preparing a home for us. And that John 14, 2, 1 through 12, Jesus has prepared a home for us. The second thing we need to remember today the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And, and we see the, the, these calendars and these things that are out that, that wants us to focus on me is the way to Christ. You can't get to Christ without accepting him, and then he will possess you. And John 14, 6 talks about, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Joel, you quoted Acts saying the same thing. Nobody coaxed him to do that. 
But Jesus is the way to heaven, and we need to accept him today. I was asked the other day that if Jews go to heaven, I said no, and not if they're not a Christian. And the person responded back, but they're God's people. No one will enter heaven unless they accept Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, period. We are all God's people, if you want to get down to it. God wishes that all of us would be saved and come into a knowledge and understanding of him. He wants us all, but he wants to possess us, but we got to want to possess him. That was the first point. We got to remember three, Christ will return someday. First Thessalonians 4, 16, Christ is coming back for us. If we die today, he's still going to meet us at the door. Christ is coming for us. The new thing that I want us to focus on today is the fourth point is we're going to have new heavenly bodies. And I challenge you, and again, I'm not knocking physical activity. I spend hours to get this. (laughs) Huh? Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Thank you. But I do, the older I get, I spend hours and look what I got. I'm not telling you to stop spending hours to look what you got, but start spending those hours to see what you got in Christ. And it's going to change your life. If we put the same time in Christ and realize, you know, I get a heavenly body someday and it's going to be great. And start focusing on that. Then you don't have to wear sweaters in heaven to hide the fat. Amen. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> But we're going to get new bodies. And then last but not least, our mission is to go save disciple sin. And Mark 16, uh, 15 talks about that. Our vision last year for our mission was out of Isaiah 61. And to be honest with you, I really haven't got any direction to, to change that. Because Christ says, arise, shine, for the light has come. And we need to rise and shine and continue to do these things that we're talking about today, these four points, and see what God can do in us next year because he wants to do some great things in us. Uh, He's already done some great things, but he wants to do some greater things. And so let's continue to focus on him, continue to press into him. What the Lord's speaking to us today and the altar call is today is to press in meaning exert continuous force and press in on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed you. If you're a believer today, you're possessed by Christ. He's in you. Now you need to possess him yourself. Reach out to him constantly. And man, your life's going to change even more. I don't care how close you are to the Lord. The more you give him, the more you're going to get touched. Let's implement the whatever principle. Again, if we've dealt with situations in our life and they keep attacking us, when the Satan attacks us with that, whatever Satan get you behind me, in Jesus' name. Because I think a lot of people in here um, are struggling with that. Agree to disagree, point three. Hold on to the progress we have made and continue pressing in. Don't allow anything to come against what we're trying to do in Christ. 
And last, remember your citizenship is in heaven. That's what all matters. I want to do something. Bow your heads here because I think this is serious. Are you possessed by Christ today? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand today? I want to accept him. I've never done it. Where I think the Lord's mingling today is where he mingled with me this morning. He said, Kit, I possess you. Do you possess me? How many of us need to work on possessing Christ a little more? Would you just slip your hand up? Many hands across the room. Thank you, Lord. I felt like he wanted to talk to us about that. He, he's given you everything. Let's fork on that next year. Let that be your New Year's resolution. The third one here, the second one here, I really believe is the Lord put this on my heart, but how many of you have been tormented by past things? And you've dealt with them and you're still tormented. I've been tormented. Many hands across the room. If you've dealt with it, then I want you just to say whatever and get thee behind me, Satan. But maybe some of you might need to deal with that situation. If you haven't, do that. Repent, say, God, I'm sorry, and then forget it. Move on. But I think some people in here have maybe forgiven somebody or, or repented of it, but they haven't forgiven somebody. And maybe you need to forgive somebody today. It's holding you back. Does anybody, third point, need to repent of coming against the progress of the kingdom of God? Anybody make that that confession today? Lord, I repent of that. And then last, I've forgotten my citizenship's in heaven, and I need to get more focused on that. How many of us need to do that? My hand's up already. I've had my hand up on most of them. These altars are open today. I challenge you to come. We've got plenty of time. Your stakes aren't burning. But we seek him today and deal with these four things because that's what he spoke to you. That's God's words to you. Father, move across your body. Lord, I already know you have. Minister to them. Let them know how much you love them, how you love them so much you died for them. Father, that you want all of them to know you like nothing else that you desire them. In Jesus' name.